0: If you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to turn to Mark chapter 15. We've been walking through some passages here in the book of Mark. Now, I kicked things off here in this Passion Series Looking at Jesus' prayer over his disciples in John 17, we kind of bounced out of the book of Mark just for that special message a few weeks ago. And then we heard from Mark Larson. He shared about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it just gave a great message. And very thankful uh, for Mark and, and bringing that message to us. And then also thankful to Pastor Dave as he brought the message last week regarding Peter. And Peter making a commitment to Jesus, but then shortly after denying Jesus. And uh, so we, we've been walking through some elements of the Passion Week. So we've looked at the, the garden moment with Jesus and, and, and praying to the Father. We, we've looked at how the disciples, they flee, they, they, they left. That Jesus was abandoned by these men who had been following Him. And He's left alone to face the religious leaders, and we see Peter denying Jesus in the courtyard, and now we're in the middle of the overnight. So Peter's denied Christ, and Christ is now standing before a council of sorts, and we'll walk through that. He's brought before the high priest named Caiaphas, and the chief priests, and this whole group called the Sanhedrin or the Sanhedrin, If you've ever heard of that, and you'll notice here on the screen that there's a bit of a a group of men around an individual that would be brought before the council. You'd have the leader of the Sanhedrin, that high priest, and then around that you'd have 70 members of the Sanhedrin, and then they'd bring the accused person before this council, and they would begin to work through whatever the charge might be, and then they would make a decision from there you see a couple individuals there that would be kind of your clerks of the court taking record and making notes of what is taking place here and the charge that these jewish leaders have on jesus is the charge blasphemy And we know this is a false charge because Jesus truly is God. But Jesus had claimed to be God and that was blasphemy and that would be punishable by capital offense. This crime that's worthy of capital offense is according to the Jewish law and custom. But there's a problem for these Jewish leaders and that they're under the rule and the jurisdiction of the Roman government. So they can't just carry out this execution. They have to bring it to the authority that's above them. Rome is in power. In fact, two years prior to this moment, the Roman government had taken away the ability of the Jewish council to carry out capital punishment. And so what could be a capital offense in the Roman world was something called sedition. Sedition would be the inciting or the rebellion against Rome. And since Jesus had claimed to be Messiah, he's claiming to be king. And so these religious leaders thought, oh, we'll pin him on that and we'll bring him before Pilate. Claiming to be king could be seen as a capital offense, so the Sanhedrin charge Jesus with that and bring him before a man named Pontius Pilate. Perhaps you've heard of him before. He's a Roman governor of the region of Judah, and he's under the reign and the rule of the emperor Tiberius, the emperor of Rome. Now, history tells us that Pontius Pilate was a very bloodthirsty man, and he was even brought before the emperor, and he was warned about all the killing that he was doing. So he's been warned by the emperor, and if he were to continue to do this, he would lose his position as the governor of Judea. And this could very well be why we see Pilate somewhat hesitant to just go ahead and and condemn Jesus right away. It's possible he was weighing out his meeting he had had with The Emperor. Well, as Pilate converses with Jesus, he feels like he wants to put this ball in somebody else's court, so to speak. So he 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 knows that Jesus is a Galilean, and there is a particular ruler that's been put in power by Rome by the name of Herod. Let's let's send Jesus to him. Perhaps he'll take care of this issue, and then I don't have this man's blood on my hands. So he sends him to Herod who happened to be in Jerusalem at that time. So this is all being done here through the overnight. They get him over to Herod. Herod listens to him. Herod kind of is entertained by this, wants Jesus to do some miracles right in his presence. And when things weren't exactly going the way Herod had hoped, he just doesn't really want anything to do with Jesus, so he sends him back to Pilate. Now Pilate has a decision that he has to make. Now the ball has been put back into his court. So he's back to Pilate, and Pilate plays a card that's available to him, and this card is called clemency, and clemency is the release of a prisoner. Now specifically for him as a a Roman governor, he could release a Jewish prisoner, which was the custom right before Passover, so he has the ability to do this. And so you'll see here in this account in Mark 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 20, and as we read, you'll see how this particular trial goes down as Pilate brings out this particular prisoner. Let us pray before we get into the Scriptures. Father, I thank you for this time. As we focus in on your words today, I'm asking that you would speak powerfully. Lord, please guide us, please lead us by your Spirit. The things that you have pressed upon my heart to share today, I pray that they would flow freely. Lord, that you would use me. Please bless our children's ministry and the time that they'll be spending in your Word. I ask for a sweet ministry over them as well. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark 15 starting here in verse 1 Says very early in the morning the leading priests the elders and the teachers of religious law the entire high council met to discuss their next step And they bound Jesus they led him away and took him to Pilate the Roman governor Now Pilate asked Jesus Are you the king of the Jews And Jesus replied, You have said it. Then the leading priests kept accusing him of many crimes, and, and Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges that they're bringing against you? But Jesus said nothing, much to Pilate's surprise. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone the people requested. Now one of the prisoners at that time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. And the crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. Then he said, would you like me to release to you this king of the Jews? For he realized by now that the leading priest had arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the leading priest had stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. And Pilate asked them, Then what should I do with this man that you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, Crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, What crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, Crucify him! So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And he ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. The soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters called Praetorium, and he called out the entire regiment. They dressed him in a purple robe, and they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. Then they saluted him and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him on the head with a reed stick. They spit on him and dropped to their knees in mock worship. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him again. And then they led him away to be crucified. You can obviously feel the intensity of, of that passage as our Savior is being wrongfully accused, wrongfully treated. And we hear of this particular individual by the name of Barabbas, and he's mentioned in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this would be the only time in the Bible that Barabbas would be mentioned. So of the four Gospels, here's how they describe this man. It's quite the resume. He's a robber, a murderer, leader of a rebellion or an insurrection, and then even in one account saying he's a notorious prisoner. Quite a description you know, Pilate, as he's standing before this crowd, he, he states that the charges against this man, Jesus, they're baseless. And he appeals to the crowd to choose wisely about who they would want. But influenced by these religious leaders that wanted Jesus' head, the crowd then starts to shout out, for the release of Barabbas. They want to see Barabbas set free. And they want Jesus to take his place. They want Jesus to be crucified. You know, it's interesting in the Gospel of John, as he records this particular account, these religious leaders, they actually exclaim this statement to Pilate. They say, We have no king but Caesar. What a statement to say when the king of all kings is standing right before them. I titled this message, I Beg Your Pardon, and perhaps you've maybe heard this in conversation when somebody maybe didn't hear things right. Or they're a little bit confused or something was said and it just is wrong. And you say, I beg your pardon? What, what was that? And, and I read this account and I see what's being done to Jesus. And I, I kind of, I don't know about you, but you're like, I beg your pardon. This is not how this is supposed to go down, right? Why is this innocent man... Now, being condemned to death row, and he's going to be sent to be crucified. And this man who's guilty is going to walk free down these steps to all his buddies. This doesn't make sense. I mean, there should be something in each and every one of us that starts to stir up, and we go, This isn't right. This isn't fair. That's not how the system is supposed to work, but yet this is what is happening. There's an injustice. And I also say, I beg your pardon, because this story of Barabbas, to me, is one of the clearest pictures of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that what Jesus was about to go through on our behalf would extend to us a pardon from sin. That we can come before the Father and we can ask, we can say, God, I, I need Jesus. You know, it's interesting, Barabbas' name means Son of the Father. Then you have Jesus, who is the Son of the Father. He's the Son of God. And the righteous Son of the Father would die for the unrighteous Son of the Father. Can you see the Gospel in the story of Barabbas? Barabbas did not deserve to be set free. But because of God's mercy, because of God's grace, he was able to walk. Whether or not he would acknowledge Jesus, whether or not he would even thank Him on his way down those steps, Barabbas is set free. And he's set free because of God's love. Not just for him, but because of what God is doing in the big picture. See, Barabbas has a story, but, but so do you. and I've got one too. And I think of Romans 5, 8, when the Bible says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we, not while just Barabbas or, or, or these religious leaders that just didn't have it figured out or these soldiers who would take him away and, and, and beat him and, and mock him. It's all of us. While we all were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. I want to share a story here of a a railroad switchman who would work a bridge that would cross a very large river. Now, during most of the day, the bridge sat with its length running up and down the river, paralleled with the banks so that ships could, could pass through. But at certain times of the day, a train would come along, and that bridge would, would have to be turned sideways to connect in order for the train to cross that bridge. And this switchman sat in a shack on one side of the river where he operated the controls to turn the bridge and to lock it into place so that the train could cross the river. And one evening, the switchman and his nine-year-old son were waiting for the last train of the day to to come through, and and he looked off into the distance through the, the dimming twilight, and he caught the sights of the incoming train. And he stepped onto the control, and then he waited until this passenger train was within the prescribed distance to begin to lock the bridge. And as he turned the bridge into position, he noticed something was wrong. To his horror, he found that the locking control was not working. And if this bridge was not securely in position, it would cause this passenger train to to jump the track and go crashing into the river. So he starts to panic. And he left the bridge and he turned across the river and he hurried across this bridge to the other side of the river because there was this lever switch that he could hold and he could operate this lock Manually. It was an override. And he would have to hold this lever as the train crossed. And he could hear. The rumble of the train coming, and he took hold of this lever and he leaned backward to apply his weight into this, which was locking the bridge. And he kept applying this pressure to be sure that this thing was locked. Many lives depended upon this man's strength. And then, coming across this bridge from the direction of his control shack, he heard a sound that made his blood run cold. Daddy, where are you? His nine-year-old boy was crossing this bridge to look for him. His first impulse was to cry out to his son, Run! Run! For he knew what was coming down that bridge. But this train was too close and his boy would never make it across the bridge in time. The man almost left his post, but he's thinking through the circumstances here. Because if he let go of the lever, he could go and rescue his, his son, but, but there's all these passengers in this train and, and surely this thing would derail and all of these lives could be Lost. either these people would die or His Son would die. If you can comprehend the emotions that are going through this man's heart, you can begin to understand the feelings of our Heavenly Father. When He sacrificed His Son, To bridge the gap between us and Him. In order to bridge that gap, God the Father had to send His Son Jesus as a payment for our sin. The story I shared with you here a moment ago is, is not a true story, it's a parable. Jesus shared parables. You can read them, all kinds of parables in the Gospels, and a parable be a story that has a deeper spiritual meaning to it. And as I share that with you, we get a, a glimpse of maybe what it was like for God the Father to send His Son to this earth to die for us. But here's where this parable falls short. As I gave you that story, the reason why His Son is at risk is because there's an accident. That This wasn't meant to be. And that's where it falls short, because when God the Father sent Jesus to this earth to pay the penalty and the price for our sin, that was no accident. God intended to crush His Son Jesus so that we could be set free, so that we could walk off of that platform no longer on death row. It was no accident. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible says that God made Him, made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. This was no accident. This is a part of God's Plan His plan to redeem those who are sinners, those who are like Barabbas. This all doesn't seem fair. We've talked about that. It doesn't seem right. But according to God the Father, the Bible says that He sent Jesus at just the right time. And the purpose that He had for His Son, To walk that road of Calvary to redeem us. It isn't fair, but it's what God wanted to do because He loves us. Because of His love, this was God's desire. Let Barabbas go and keep Jesus. In fact, have him walk this road to his crucifixion. I want to turn our attention here to the screen.
1: We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel and why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage, who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug, and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy, this has is, this is gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus? What has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free? Open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper. What, what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We, we want Barabbas. Yeah. Give us Barabbas. This the other day and I felt God speak to me I love perhaps. I love him but God he's a bad man. I love him and I wanted him to go free but didn't you know that he probably would have never acknowledged the free get yeah but I love Barabbas. For while we were still sinners Christ died for us God sent his son for Barabbas. Even the one he knew would walk away from Jesus and his free gift and never come back. He loves him. And the nerve, the call, and the audacity of believers to think, I got saved by grace, but now that I'm in this deep, dark place of bondage, I better work hard to get myself out. What? That's the opposite of the gospel. Are you bound? Are you held under the power of this temptation, this sin, the sexual urges? Do you feel like it's controlling you? What are you going to do? I'm going to shake myself free. Stop it! No, you won't. You're no match for the powers of hell and the urges of sin and sexual temptation. You will not overcome it and you will never overcome it you'll just be another statistic. There's no answer within yourself. Your own marriage, your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids. There's only one. And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas and they start to take my chains off and I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me, say, no, son, let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No. God, I I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. I do it again, I'll still be here. Oh God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins, son. This is all we got. It's all I got. It's all you got. We can play games. We can play church games. so expansive so welcoming so inclusive let me have your sin son okay when I give him my sin let's stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve I see him I see him walking to the post to be whipped I stand a free man all the attention is turned now and I feel the love of God saying go son live your life I'll pay the price where did we get off thinking that we were gonna set ourselves free it's still Jesus It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. If his blood is sufficient for your salvation, his blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough.
0: One of the clearest pictures of the gospel is in the story of Barabbas. There's a choice that we all have to make in response to the gospel. In response to what Jesus has done. And I just want to walk through a couple of these uh, individuals and the choices that they made in their life. Now we have no further record of Barabbas. So we we don't know how he responded later in life. If he truly understood who Jesus was and what Jesus had done for him, not just in that moment, but for an eternity. We we don't know that. We don't get to see that. Did he eventually realize who who Jesus is or did he continue on to, to live in this thug life, maybe eventually returning again to death row because of something that he had done, perhaps sitting in his cell before his execution, wondering if another Jesus might show up so that he could be set free again. We don't know. But what I do know is that God would give Barabbas the ability to choose what he would do with his life. Then we look at this man named Pilate. History tells us that Pilate, because of Jesus' crucifixion, he would have to go back to the emperor and answer as to why he did that. If you remember, he had been called before him And think of the guilt and the shame that that Pilate carried. You know, he tried to wash his hands of this. My my hands are clean, but at the end of the day, he's the one leading the decisions here. Pilate ignores his conscience. Even his wife has a dream about Jesus and, and who this man is And he doesn't take the advice of his wife to leave Jesus alone. Pilate feared man, and he gave in to the crowd. You know, it's easy to get caught up in the crowd. And this would be Pilate's downfall. Pilate had choices. Pilate could have brought all this guilt, all this shame, he could have brought that to the risen Savior, Jesus, and found his freedom. But history also tells us that eventually Pilate would take his own life. That's what many historians would believe, which tells me that Pilate was dealing with a whole lot of things that were going on. that the enemy was accusing him, we can be set free. Barabbas in this story was the prisoner. But in all reality, everybody at that place was a prisoner to sin. And I don't know what your story is, what your walk of life might be, But there's a certain point for all of us where we have the opportunity to come to know the one who can redeem us from our sin, the one who can set us free. Jesus became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. In a moment, we're going to sing together this powerful song, How Deep the Father's love for us. And in the second verse of this song, it says, Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. And his dying breath has brought me life and I know that it is finished. Would you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, we come to you. In response to this message today, no matter where we're at in our walk of life, one thing that is so important for us to understand is that you love us. Perhaps there's folks listening today that they're walking through this life like a prisoner, Maybe something about this message today helped them to realize that they're a prisoner, and that they're stuck in sin. but God you desire to unlock the chains and set these people free. And so Lord, I just extend an invitation. To anyone listening right now, to be set free, to lean into you and respond to your gift of salvation. I invite that individual to pray with me in their heart as I lead them Jesus, I'm a sinner. Who needs to be set free? And today I'm calling out to you. Just like Barabbas, set me free. Please forgive me of my sin. Please change my heart. Give me a new heart that is born again, that would desire to walk with you. Thank you for this gift of salvation that comes by grace through faith. Lord, for all of us listening, help us to never outgrow the gospel. To never move beyond the gospel. Our lives hang on the truth of the gospel. The gospel is what helps us and reminds us that we need you. The gospel is what motivates us to reach out to people in the love of Christ because you have touched us. The gospel is not only the starting point of new life, but it should encompass us. It should encompass every area of who we are in you. We thank you for this message today in Jesus' name. Amen.